Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Judges, chapter number two. The book of Judges, chapter number two. I'll ask if you will stand to your feet as we read two verses as we begin this morning. Judges chapter number two and verse number one. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I, make you, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Hallelujah. And you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Just to reiterate. You have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? I want to preach on this thought this morning. The compromise of a nation. Judges is a book that tells us about how God has blessed the nation of Israel and how the nation of Israel lost her glory. I'm talking to a nation that's been blessed indeed of God. God has blessed America. But she is a nation that is losing her glory. And I'm not satisfied with watching the glory of our nation just recede over the horizon and us not do anything about it. Preachers of yesteryear took the pulpits and preached about our country and to our country and I am lining up with them today to stand and preach to you the Word of God. You may be seated this morning. When I look in Judges chapter 2 and verse number 1, again verse 1 says, An angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal unto Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt. That, those words there speak of the liberty. You remember Israel was in bondage. They were in affliction. They were in oppression. They were slaves. They were in chains down there in Egypt. And God said, I made you go up out of Egypt. I gave you liberty. And have brought you unto the land which I swear to your fathers. Not only did He give us liberty, or vict- liberty but He gave us victory. Amen. When God gives you freedom and victory to go with it, what a blessing. He said, I will never break my covenant with you. And now God has not only brought them out of Egypt, but now he's led them through the wilderness into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Joshua then began to line up his armies to go to city after city. I'm talking about how they stood in front of walls and walked around them. And walls fell and kingdoms were subdued and and land was conquered. And God gave them liberty and victory and freedoms. What a blessing. The same thing he's done for our nation. Sometimes we forget about our country and its early beginnings. You remember why our forefathers came to America? 
because in Great Britain we were told we could not worship without the approval of the king George III. And so our forefathers sought a place that they could worship in freedom. And here we are today being able to worship in freedom. But now those freedoms and those liberties are being challenged. We're being told what we can and cannot preach, what makes people feel comfortable and uncomfortable. In 1775, Patrick Henry said, Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased with the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Our nation came from the chains and the tyranny to become a free-born people. And oftentimes we forget about that. God blessed our nation to defeat Great Britain and win the Revolutionary War. America has gained her independence and her freedom. When President George Washington was inaugurated, he took his oath of office with his hand upon the Bible. President Washington leaned down and he kissed the pages of God's precious word. His first official act was to take the Senate and the Congress for two hours to worship at the house of God. He, woo, he, he said, uh, today, even though we have prayer in Congress, listen to this, we have prayer in Congress where our congressmen and congresswomen can gather to pray, many of them will not even gather because they know they're going to pray first till they report late to miss the prayer. Listen to what our president said at his inauguration speech. My fervent supplication to the almighty being who rules the universe and presides over the council of nations. No other nation has enjoyed the prosperity, the protection, and the productivity like God has blessed America. Did you know that we are the envy of the world with 4%, 4%, of the world's population living upon our shores. God has blessed us with 31% of the world's wealth. Yet, Israel did not appreciate the miracle that God gave them, and we do not appreciate the miracle either. We run around like a bunch of spoiled brats. Number one, we see the stirring conquest of our nation and of the nation of Israel. God has blessed and used and worked in our nation for His glory. It's been a stirring conquest. Now I see that in verse 1. When I turn to verse number 2, God said, You shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? So suddenly, we're going from a stirring conquest, number two, to a shameful compromise. God has given to Israel himself. He said, I'll be your God. May I say this morning that Israel had the Lord. And America has the Lord. Then God said to Israel, I'll give you the Ten Commandments. Israel has the law. And that same law is what the framework of our judiciary system is based upon here in the United States of America. 
the Ten Commandments of Almighty God. We have the Lord, we have the law. And God gave us the land. Amen. But here's our problem. God had to bring judgment upon these that he loved so much because they compromised. They forgot God. They thought they can do it on their own. That's where we are this morning. You see, we have denied the Lord. We have defied the law. And we are defiling the land that God has given us. Preacher Darren, how have we compromised? Let's just look back and see what God's talking about when he says, why have you done this? Let's go back to chapter number 1. The Bible tells us that Joshua, the man of God, is now dead. He's no longer on the scene. And we see that the Lord said in verse 2, Judah shall go up. He's going to go up and fight the Canaanites. He said, Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. So God says, Joshua is taken off the scene, but there's going to be an after Joshua. I'm going to bless the people of God with victory, and I want Judah. Judah means praise. Praise shall go up and fight the battle and conquer the land. Now just as a sidebar, look at chapter 2 verse 7. Look at this verse. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Uh Uh-huh. So during Joshua's day and those of the generation of Joshua, the people served the Lord. Look with me in verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. You see, Joshua's generation passed on the glory, and now the next generation They don't know what to do with the blessings that their forefathers have fought and died for and that God has given to them. And they begin to lose their appreciation. Now there's Canaanites. They're exceedingly immoral people. And God says Judah will go up and fight the Canaanites even though Joshua and that generation's gone. There's still enough To serve me. Now, look with me in verse 3 of chapter 1. I feel preaching stirring. Judah said unto Simeon his brother, Come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites. God said, I'm going to bless Judah with victory. Judah says, Well, I don't know that I'm able to do it on my own. I'm going to get Simeon, my brother, to help me. Was that cooperation or was it compromise? God tells you to do something. You don't need to go get somebody else to help you do it. Now, they begin to go out in war and they begin to win and the Bible says in verse 
19, that the Lord was with Judah. And he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain. But he could, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chains of iron. Chariots, not chains, chariots of iron. Here they are fighting, and they get down to the valley, and there's these iron chariots with horses drawing them, and Judah says, Woo, they're too strong for us to conquer. Let me tell you why they begin to compromise. God said, I'll give you victory. You can defeat those chariots of iron, but they were afraid. There is, first of all, there's the enemy that we fear. You know what we fear here? We fear persecution. Uh, so our, what do we do in our land when we get afraid? Is we begin to back down. We, we begin to back away. We begin to say, you know what? The world says take prayer out of schools. Maybe we should. Maybe we'd all get along better. Maybe it's not right to force people to pray. Now let's take God's word out of school. Mm, chariots of iron. We'll never defeat this. We've already backed away on prayer. Let's back away on taking God's word out. Let, let's just go ahead and, and begin to back up on some things. Let's let killing babies, well, let's just call it legalized abortion. It's too strong for us to defeat. You see, there were chariots of iron with this world and they began to compromise little by little and they began to back away. In 1960, 65% of the American public believed that God's Word was the authentic, inerrant Word of God. In 1992, 32 years later, that number was in half. 32% believe the Bible is true. In 2014, 19% of people believe the Bible is true. In 2021, 11% believe the Bible is true. That means 89% of the people that you come in contact with reject or do not believe the Word of God is true. They're not reading it. They believe it's a bunch of fairy tales. I'm telling you, because we took prayer out of school and we took God's Word out of school back in the 60s, now today 11% of people still believe that God's Word is true. Hey, I may be in the minority, but I still believe in God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Amen? Now, God says, I want you to fight, but there's chariots of iron. They begin to back up. Now, we say today, preacher Darren, the world is too strong. So we're going to have to lower our standards a little bit. And as we've lowered our standards in this country, the glory is receding over the horizon. As you lower your standard in your church or in your life, the glory of God is receding. You better be careful. So I'm telling you, here's our problem. We, if we're up on a mountaintop, I used to go up to my grandparents' house, you go up above this big mountain, 
through Leicester and Leicester community into Spring Creek. And on that mountain when I was little, there was no guardrails. Many people would run right off the side of that mountain from the very top. So you know what they did at first? Rather than put up guardrails or fences, they got ambulance stations and posted them down at the bottom so when people wrecked, they'd be there to pick up their remains. That's what we're doing in our country. We're, we're building ambulances and we're putting them at the bottom of the mountain. When what we should be doing is putting guardrails at the top of the mountain, we ought to be putting up standards saying if you go over this ledge of not praying and seeking God's face and studying God's word, you're going to have trouble. But we said, let's move the standards. Let's get, get, of the, get rid of the guardrails. We don't have as good a view here. Let me tell you something. The enemies, the Canaanites that they feared, now as they backed up they, away from those chariots of iron, now they've allowed them to dwell there. And God told them, you're to make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You're to throw down their altars and you've not obeyed my voice. Oh, but preacher, they were too strong. I mean, you don't know how much money they got, how much power they got. Hear me, Israel made the same mistake, and they still pay for it. So there is an enemy that you fear. There's also the enemies that they favor. Verse 28 of this chapter. It came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Preacher Daniel, what does that mean? Well, they put the Canaanites to tribute. What does that mean? They begin to put taxes on them. They begin to make them work for them. So here's what we think. Hey, we're not, we have enemies that we fear, so let's legalize abortion. Uh, let's get away from prayer and God's in schools and God's word in schools and now what are we going to do with uh, to make money so they some of you are going to get mad you're not going to like what I'm going to tell you we've legalized gambling called it the lottery so we can make money to increase the state budget by 50% I looked it up let me say this about gambling there is, and you watch these shows, and man, we bought, we won a million dollars, and we bought this beautiful house, and everybody says, man, I'd like to have that. Nobody can win unless everybody else loses. They, the state has to encourage others to take a chance. And listen, they never talk about the millions of losers. I was preaching revival in Bryson City. And three times in the week, we had to deal with a family that lost everything they had because the wife or the husband gambled it all away at casinos, at Cherokee. And now they're being kicked out of their houses. The kids have nothing to eat because they wanted to win big. And it was an addiction. I lost what I'm going to win. I lost what I'm going to win. I lost what I'm going to win. So let's legalize it. And let's get the money off of it. And pad our pockets. Let's legalize the sale of alcohol. I mean, I know it kills people with drunk driving and 
innocent people at that. But, you know, let's legalize it and we can get the tax revenue off of it. Let's, let's put the Canaanites, let's put these sins to work for us and we'll make money off of it. And right now, your Surgeon General is saying, let's decriminalize drugs. That way we can get the tax revenue off of it and we can control it at the same time. I don't know how you feel, but the poll revealed that 89% of Americans favor the legalization of marijuana, not just for medical purposes, like they proclaim. Preacher Darren, I'm not interested in this. Let me tell you something. You will get interested when your family gets hooked on it. It's interesting the viewpoints. I dare say if we took a straw poll in the church this morning, we'd say, well, what's the big deal? It's amazing how you're willing to accept and traffic human misery as long as you get economic gain. It's amazing how you can make these sinful things virtuous when they're a vice that you have no idea what people are really going through. Billy Sunday, oh man. Here's a young man, was a baseball player, got saved, God called him to preach. He went out telling about a man here in the hills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. He was good at uh, catching snakes. He got one with 14 rattlers, put it in a box, put a glass top on it. Said, man, look what I got here. I put this rattlesnake to work for me and he could sell tickets for people to come see the biggest rattler caught in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And one day when he was out plowing his field, his little boy decided I'd like to pull the top back on that box and see what's down in there. And that rattlesnake leaped out of there and bit that boy on the face and went crawling off. And the little boy whose face is now suddenly swollen staggers to the field and daddy sees him. Son, what's happened? Daddy, I've been rattlesnake bit. He grabs his knife, cuts a place out, tries to suck the poison out of it, try to send somebody that, for the doctor back in them days. The little boy laid there and died. You see, daddy said, it's okay to have these rattlesnakes. Keep them in a box. Nobody, we'll make them work for us and we'll use them and it'll be okay. Not knowing that that same rattlesnake that he caught and petted would be the very thing that would take the life of his dear son. Your preacher gets in this pulpit to tell you that there are sinful things that you are, and I'm not even hit everything, that you are now favoring and you're in favor of. What can be wrong with it? It's socially acceptable. But it's still a sin in the eyes of God. And he will cause his blessings and his glory to depart from your life and from, Lord of God, and from your family. Not realizing it's going to kill you and take your life. But it's okay as long as it don't bother me. Do you see in the scripture, there was enemies they feared because they had chariots of iron. There was enemies they favored because now they're going to put them to work for them. Look at verse 29 again. There were Canaanites that dwelt 
in Gezer. Look at verse 30. You see the word, the Canaanites dwelt among them. Look at verse 32. The Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites. Verse 33, they dwelt among the Canaanites. Now, not only do they fear them, chariots of iron, and not only have they favored them and said, well, you know, gambling's not so bad. Alcohol's not so bad. Abortion, all these, they're not so bad. I'm just going to say this to you this morning. Now, they're dwelling. They are fellowshipping with them all the time. Do you see the shameful compromise of how now we've kind of accepted and now we dwell with it? Now it doesn't seem to be so sinful anymore and now they begin to worship the gods that the Canaanites worship. Rather than seeing them as enemies, they saw them as friends. They became a friend to the world. Well, let's just legalize sexual promiscuity and call it the law of the land. Surgeon General have already said this. Murphy is saying legalize drugs. Surgeon General Murphy, this ought to tear you up, recommends that your children, your sons and daughters, carry condoms in their purses or their wallets just in case. 13 years old is his recommendation. You're talking about a government appointee telling our nation the best thing you can do to protect yourself is this. I'm getting mad. Preacher Darren, you just said you was mad. Be you angry and sin not. Well, Preacher Darren, everybody knows what kids are going to do. So let's just help them do it safely. I want to tell you something. Evidently, sir, you think the way to put out a fire is with gasoline. It will not work. And just because it's socially acceptable by the world doesn't mean that we have to stand here and take it. I want you to see thirdly the shocking consequences that happened because of the compromise of the nation of Israel. Well, preacher Darren, it's 12 o'clock and I'm ready to go home. God says, you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Y'all still got your Bibles open? Look at Judges chapter 2 and verse number 3. Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you. They shall be as thorns in your sides. Their gods shall be a snare unto you. I want to tell you some things that happened to them. Some shocking consequences. They lost God's protection. Where God said, I will protect you from the enemy. I will help you drive the enemy out. Now God says... Militarily, I will not help you or protect you anymore. In fact, I'm going to allow your enemy to be a type or a scourge of my chastisement upon your life. 
Let me tell you what we've done in our nation. We've gradually compromised with sin and we're turning our back on Israel and we're making covenants and friends with Iran and Iraq. Don't forget these were nations that held our people hostage. They've not changed. But let's just accept and fellowship with them. It's a modern world. Let's all get along. I don't even need to mention to you Cuba, Russia, China, North Korea. All these players that are suddenly reappearing are getting stronger. And America is bowing before her enemy. We have lost God's protection. There was a time that God blessed us as we went forward with righteous wars and God gave great victory. And now we've become a, listen, just a, a name that's mentioned. No longer are we the power that we once were. I put on your bulletins a picture of the flag and the screaming eagle. Let me tell you, our nation... No longer are we heard as that screaming eagle sweeping in like we used to. Now we've become a twittering sparrow. Let's just twitter a little bit and we'll get it all fixed this way. Preacher, how, I'm just telling you the truth. It's more amazing how much more time we invest in our social media accounts than we do in prayer before the face of Almighty God. They lost God's provision, cultural consequences. God said they will be as thorns in your sides. Look what the drug problem has done in our nation. Look what's happened. You don't talk about it much anymore, but AIDS in our nation. In the past 30 years, the divorce rate has quadrupled. Teen suicide has more than doubled. Violent crime in America is up 500% in the last 10 years. 67 million Americans suffer from an STD. God is allowing storm after storm. Oh, they're worried about a hurricane. They're worried about a tornado. Yes, they're serious, but there are bigger issues that we overlook. Every day, what does drug driving and drug addiction cost our nation? They lost God's protection. Do you see it? They lost God's provision. They lost God's power. Their gods shall be a snare to you. They lost God's power. No longer did Israel have power in their worship services. I remember a time when I was a kid that every service you went to was power-packed. I'm telling you, there was more God in the parking lot than there is in the average church house nowadays. We've lost the power and the presence of Almighty God in our lives. Amen. We've lost the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of revival. We, I'm telling you, God has guided us. God has guarded us. God has gladdened us, but we've rejected God. 
And now there are consequences. I'm just going to say this. We have lost the respect of other nations. There is contradiction in our very own foreign policy. And how are we going to help another nation with their problems when we can't even solve our own? And what we want to do is to justify our actions is to take our problems and work them into these other countries and call it freedom and ruin them. Oh, preacher Darren, I see it. Did you know that crime cost us in excess of $5 trillion? That's your crime bill in the budget. $4 trillion was spent on health care. The government spent $3 trillion on poverty, but the poverty rate went up. Preacher Darren, I'm just saying this. The more we try to solve it, the less we can solve it. And it's because we have left God out. And by forsaking God, God's going to make sure that you continue to have holes in your pockets. Put five trillion in there. Where did it go? Put three trillion in there. Where did it go? It's because our nation with less used to serve God. And now with more, we thought we can do it and we've ruined everything. And it's an age-old problem. It doesn't just happen in 247 years of freedom. It's an age-old problem that Israel had year after year after year found in the book of Judges. My Bible says in verse number 4, it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept. Fourthly, I'm talking about the specific cure. They repented and turned, and when they did, God blessed them. Look at chapter 2. Let's look at verse 16. I'll be done. 2.16, I'll be done. Nevertheless, in spite of our sinful ways, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Right? And then there came a time that they wouldn't listen to the judge anymore and they went right back in sin. And when they went in sin, God would bring in Midianites or Canaanites or somebody to rule over them to oppress them. I'm telling you, there's oppression in their land and it's because we have forsaken and forgotten God. You may sit here on your pew today and say, please, preacher Darren, I know all this already. Then why don't you do something about it? Why are you not in this altar weeping your way to God saying, Oh God, my children and my grandchildren are going to grow up in this God-forsaken society. We need a change. Quit sitting on your do-nothing and get up and do something about it. The children of Israel, they wept their way to God. When God came down to the children of Israel when they were in bondage in Egypt after 400 years, God heard their cry. What's he listening for from our nation? The cry of God's people. 
If my people, which are called, here's our problem. God's people ain't crying. And you know why you're not crying? I want to look to you right now. You know why you're not crying? Bethel, you, you know why you're not crying? It's because you have accepted this world just like it is. And it says it can never get better. I just got to do the best I can. In fact, to tell you the truth, I kind of like it. I kind of fellowship with it. I am living in that. I got family members in that lifestyle. I kind of favor it. You see where it's going? It's going to result in some shocking consequences in your life. I'm going to say this and I'm done. Preacher Darren, God's going to judge our nation. But you know what God had rather do? God had rather forgive than judge our nation. And I had to get whipped at home. My daddy would rather forgive me as have to whip me. Oh, I'm reluctant to say this. Abraham Lincoln, that great emancipator, one day was walking by a slave market. He saw a slave being auctioned at the auction block. And did you know he bid for the slave? Did you know he bought the slave? When he got the slave, they were burned with anger, humiliation, and confusion. And they said, all right, you bought me. What are you going to do with me? And he said, I'm going to set you free. Free from what? Tyranny. Free to be what I want to be? Yes. Free to do what I want to do? Yes. Free to say what I want to say? Yes. A smile came across their face and said, free to go where I want to go? Yes. Then I'm going with you because I want to be with the one that set me free. I was living in the chains of sin in the wretched rags of unrighteousness on my way to hell and Jesus came by my way and he paid the price to set this little old slave boy free. Lord, what will I do with this freedom? Can I say what I want to say? Can I do what I want to do? Can I go where I want to go? Yes, you can. Then Lord, I just want to go with you. Nobody ever loved me like Jesus. I'm telling you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Preacher, how does it all end up? Look at the last chapter in the book of Judges. The last chapter in the book of Judges. Chapter 21. And you tell me this is not where we live today. Verse 25. In those days... You ought to underline this in your Bible. It's in there even more than this verse in the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. That means they had no absolute right or wrong. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. 87% of people said in America, there is no standard of right or wrong. We're doing what seems right in our own eyes. And the Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, 
the ways thereof are the ways of death. I don't want death. I want liberty for our children and our grandchildren. You stand to your feet. Bible says when they heard the angel of the Lord with those words they cried out with their voices and they wept to almighty God seeking God's face repentance for their nation whether they were guilty of it or not they begged God for his help Father we bow in shame and disgust. Both I and my father's house, we have sinned, great sins against you. You told us, why have we done this? It's because we've compromised. Because of fear, because of favor, and because of fellowship. And God, I have a great awareness that we have lost your protective hedge and we've lost your great provision and the power of God. Oh God, forgive us, Father. Lord, we're so wicked. We're an abomination to the Son of God men parading themselves through the streets of cities completely naked in front of children like it's okay. Oh God, please forgive us Lord for the legalization of sinful lifestyles. Oh God, we are making our vices a virtue Please forgive us, God. We're calling that which is wrong, right. And that which is right, wrong. (laughs) Oh, God. We need your touch. Hear us, God. We're sorry. Forgive us, Lord. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.